Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Hope life is treating you well. We are into the single digits of my 50 most relevant players for Supercoach Dream Team and AFL Fantasy number eight today. Everybody's favorite redhead, Clayton Oliver. Joining me on this episode to talk about his fantasy relevance. You know this man from the Keeper League podcast. You'll, if you don't know about them, we're going to help you with that throughout this episode. Hello, Hef. How are you, my friend? G'day, MJ. How you going, mate? I'm good, man. You don't just specialize in the Keeper League side of life, though. And we'll talk about where Clary should go in a Keeper League later on. But you do Correct. dabble in the salary cap formats as well, don't you? Yeah, I made my return to the game uh, last year and finished inside the top 1,000 after not really playing for a while. I say not play, like I, I have played, but I, um, I tend to just get a bit... Uh, every now and then I forget to change my team. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, I, yeah, because I'm so focused on the Keeper League stuff, oh, but actually had a... Had a, had a big crack at it last year and yeah, got inside the top 1,000, which I was happy with. So, right. yeah. well, well done, mate. So there you go, uh, fellow friends of the coaches panel. It's good advice on the way coming for you. Well, look, let's talk about Clayton Oliver, just the 23 years old midfielder. And last year delivered some monster scores for us across all the formats. His highest AFL fantasy score and super coach score for the year came in the same game against the Adelaide Crows. It was an unadjusted 131 in AFL fantasy and dream team. While he joined the 200 club in Supercoach with that 205, that is his career best score. But in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, if you want to play it pure and not play the adjusted averages game, then his best ever score came against the Gold Coast just the season prior with a 161. He is going to be priced at an average of 91.7 in Dream Team. Multiply that by 1.25 in AFL Fantasy. So he's up around that 114 marker for you. So right towards the top of your midfield tree. While in Supercoach, 122 points per game was his average in that format he's going to sit you back just over 650k in afl fantasy 875k and in afl dream team just under 850,000. and half if you've played fantasy footy for two three four five years the name clayton oliver has been synonymous with premiums because pretty much since his second ever season he's delivered premium numbers for us Absolutely. He's gone 100 plus uh, every year. And if you include the uh, BCV scoring in t- uh, 2020, he's technically done it again as well. So he's a, he's, he's a super premium uh, player, but he's sort of, I guess, underrated, I think, in the premium world mm. as well. He's not the first player we always think about. But, you know, if you were to take him or were to start with him, definitely wouldn't be the worst option for sure. No, it wouldn't look. He just finds this way to get so, so much of the ball. Last year, he ranked first in clearances per game, first for contested possessions, for stoppage clearances per game, ranked fifth for center clearances a game, ninth for disposals, and ninth for effective disposals as well. He found this new gear last year, didn't he, Hef? Where previously we'd gone, okay, yeah, he's a 100 guy in DT. Yeah, he's the 110 guy in Supercoach. But last year, we found him going from that to being a legitimate captaincy option in some of the formats. I think what was, um, you touched upon the clearance numbers, but I think what was particularly impressive was the fact that uh, Melbourne ranks so low in terms of clearances as a side. So just in terms of of how much they rely on him to actually win that footy in the middle and get the ball moving for him, he's a vital vital piece of that side. So um, yeah, and luckily on the back of that, his fantasy scoring was was up there as well. So yeah, absolutely. um, Absolute gun of a player and um, someone I think Melbourne just really want to get the ball in the hands of too, which is positive for us fantasy owners. Yeah, absolutely. Look, he, he is an absolute beast and a brute as a first 
touch stoppage player last year in Dream Team and Fantasy. We've touched on the averages already, 91.7 in Dream Team and Fantasy, up to that adjusted average of 114. Five pure tons across the season. Two of them were over 120. Another eight scores between 80 and 99. Last year, 80 was the 100 of 2020. So that's some nice conversion rates for us. And just the one score under 74 all year, ranked in these formats second for total points. Just 107 points off Lockie Neal, the overall points leader. Like he was good. Like that, what is that the equivalent of? Kicking a mark? A game. He was so good and so close to these guys. Then in Supercoach, 122, 15 tons, eight over 120. Two over 170, including that 200 that we talked about through there. Ranked third for total points in that format. Fourth for averages. And only Jack Steele and Lockie Neal um, were performing better than him. And it's not just a one year. You've already alluded to it, Hef. Year upon year upon year, he just scores tons. And in the past four years, has perfect availability for us as well. Yeah, I was just about to touch on that. He hasn't missed a game uh, since his first year in uh, 2016. So since then, he's played uh, 22 games from 2017 onwards. Obviously, only the 17 last year because of the uh, reduced rounds. But, you know, in terms of, you know, the worst thing in AFL fantasy is when a primo gets injured yeah. and you have to waste one of your two trades on getting him out. You're not going to have to do that with Clayton Oliver. He's uh, safe as houses in terms of, um, yeah, his durability. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? You talk about that perfect durability then. Let's just look at the past four years in terms of his conversion rate of hundreds per games. In Supercoach, 64 tonnes in the past 83 games. That is 77%. While you talk about in Dream Team and Fantasy, if you want to do it pure without using the adjusted averages, it's 51%. Um, But it's up towards 61% of tonnes per games if you want to play using the adjusted averages. He's just that perfect premium for us, isn't it? Durability is there. Consistency is there. He's developed a ceiling for us. So why isn't he in as many teams have as we look through the preseason? What is it that you can see that has people going, look, maybe Clay's not for me? Well, when we look at his scoring, you know, we look on pure averages at the end of the season. Um He's obviously a premium, but then if I was looking, I, I broke down his season a bit, yeah. uh, you know, in, and the way I looked at it, it was kind of like a game of thirds for him. So mm. the first third of the season, he averaged 88 looking at that. So, you know, not bad. Good for a primo. The middle third, he averaged 107. So from uh, game seven to 12, averaged 107 there, but then in the, at the tail end of the season coming into the, the, the I guess the home straight, mm. Went back down to an 84 average, which was his lowest for the season. Um, then I actually broke it down with, uh, compared it to his overall season average. And basically, his last 10 games, he averaged 90.6. His last five, 80.4. And his last three, 90.3. So, sorry, not 79.3. So, if you look at that last, you know, 79.3, that's 12.4 points under his season average. So, I guess if you're looking at him as a week-to-week proposition, the time that you're trading someone like Clayton Oliver in is probably towards when you're starting to fill out your side. If he's only putting up scores like that towards the end of the season, there's probably a good reason he didn't finish in a lot of teams. But yeah. that still doesn't excuse why we're overlooking him at the start of the year, I don't think. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And, the, and those stats and facts are for AFL Fantasy and for Dream Team, you know, not as drastic transformation for you in Supercoach in those formats um, in terms of that scoring variation and deviation. What I do like about him and his role is that fixture for Melbourne early on. And that's what we need to always look at when we're spending big bucks on premiums right out of the gate. We want to make sure that we're getting return on investment straight away. Nothing worse than in salary cap formats of the game, 
forking out 700, 800, 900,000 for your premium, depending on the formats. And then it just stalling. So round one, they come up against Fremantle. Conker's done a little bit of negating role, but not notoriously one of the hardest teams to score against. They come up in St Kilda uh, in the following round. The difficult matchup, GWS round three. Does DeBoer go to Petrarca? Does he go to Oliver? That's certainly one that you can argue is a bit of a tricky game for him. Geelong, Hawthorne is who they've got in round um, in round five, round six. It's Richmond. They give fantasy points away to everyone. They don't care. They'll beat you, but they'll give you fantasy points. Then North Melbourne and Sydney. So in terms of a nice early fixture, it's that round three game that's probably a little concerning. Has Petrarca moved forward in terms of now being the tag target, do you think, if teams choose to tag Hef? Yeah, I think he does. He's more, I guess, if you look at if you look at Oliver, he wasn't as, oh, I'm actually not actually 100% sure on this, you probably had to double check the stats, but if I feel like Petrarca was more of the um, effective player in the midfield, whereas yeah. Clayton Oliver was a bit more of a, a cra- crash and bash kind of clearance style. And I don't think there's too much, there's too much you can do about stopping him. Whereas I think yeah. if you look at Petrarca a bit more, um, he's probably the one that you want to shut down first because um, he's probably got the probably more tools to actually, you know, damage his side. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's the one that you'd probably go to straight up because I don't think it's actually super easy to stop Clayton Oliver. Yeah. I, that's the thing with, with a player of his ability, because he is a first touch clearance ball winner, still quite a handball happy type, type of player. And he's always going to be just because he's an in and under ball winner. This is really, really hard to stop. And we did see last year, and you talked about that middle third of the game, of the games where he started to expand and develop that ceiling out. That's why coaches are, that do choose to get him because is he overpriced in super coach? I don't know if you could say he's overpriced because it's what he actually delivered. But in terms of historical scoring jumps, it's certainly bigger than what he's actually done. Prior to last year's 122, his best ever average in there was 111 in his second ever season and 114, then 109. So it's a bit of a jump, but it's not like a 25-point jump where we're freaking out. Similar in AFL fantasy and dream team, he's done a 110 or thereabouts before. So to go 114, they're not a crazy jump, but do you see any more growth in him, Hef, or do you believe that what he delivered for us last year is probably about as good as we're going to get heading into a new season as well. Yeah, personally, I think what he's producing now, like we're not going to see a huge jump here and there. You might see fluctuations of maybe five points per year Mm. maximum, I feel. But uh, I think what he's producing now is that's his game. That's what he plays. But at the same time, it's pretty handy nonetheless. I was about to say, if, you know, a a 110 plus score in Dream Team and Fantasy, a 115, 120 in Supercoach is not solid. That is so much stronger than anything many premium midfielders deliver for us. He's developed that ceiling. He's got a nice fixture. I don't think he's that number one tag target anymore. Durable, nice scoring basement, strong scoring ceiling. The only travel, you know, maybe trouble point for you is that round 14 buy round with us already losing. For most coaches, your ruck division's gone. So you're already down to 20 available spots of the 18 to go, unless for some reason out of nowhere, a rookie ruck delivers for us. So that maybe is a point of concern. But when you look through those premium midfielders that are coming off that line, he's right towards the top of the tree in terms of options. All right, let's talk drafts. This is your sweet spot, Hef. Um, Single season before we go, keeper leagues. Where does he kind of go in someone's drafts in 2021? I think personally, I'll take him at the later stage of the first round. Yeah. That's a high amount. I mean, and it's more, it's more, more so 
about that durability and the scoring power as well, especially mm. if you're playing with captain options as well. Um, having someone that's not going to miss for you, having a first round draft pick that's not going to miss a game for you is just gold. All right. So obviously, if you've got a you know top end pick, um, you want to be taking you know your Grundies, your Gorns, and stuff like that, and getting that advantage over the rest. But if I reckon you later on in the first round, you can go there. If you if you get him at the start of the second round, I reckon you're laughing. It's an absolute steal. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Uh, so whether you got a pick on the turn, I think by about pick fifteen, he is well and truly gone uh, off your draft boards. Even with the concerns about you know trying to lock in heavy forwards and defenders and rucks early, he, he's going to be gone early in the second, if not before that. In a keeper league, different story. This is your sweet spot. I know for those that don't follow your podcast, normally you specialize in the outside of the top 50 players. That's where you you um, are really at your peak helping people find the premiums of the future. Correct. He's one right now though. So yeah. where do we take him in a keeper league? In Look, in keeper leagues, my philosophy is you've still got to score points to win the match. That said, what's he, 23 years old around yeah. that? So you've got 10 years still with him. Yeah. So absolutely. Probably still doesn't jump ahead of, um, you know, some like your Grundies and stuff like that. But around the kind of, Pick five, six, I reckon, would yeah. be an adequate place to take him, definitely. And and if someone was trying to trade for them in an existing Keeper League, again, um, you know, the AFL Fantasy website, you've got a heap at the Keeper League podcast website as well in terms of helping people discover how they play this format of the game. But for those in existing Keeper Leagues that would maybe looking to target him and trade for him, what is the kind of currency you've got to offer up to be able to get him out of his coach's hands? I feel like these premium midfielders, the only way you can really pry them out of anyone's hand is you're offering up your premium forwards or premium defenders. Yeah. So I think that's the only scenario that someone will probably be looking to give him up. Obviously, um, you know, if someone if we were going to offer someone Brody Grundy or something like that, they'd probably take that as well. But I think that's pretty unrealistic scenario to be happening. But yeah, if you would offer up, say, uh, your Jake Lloyds, even in like fantasy this year, um, I, I couldn't think of a forward that I'd probably give up for him, to be honest. In a keeper was, league, yeah. yeah, just, yeah. You know, the, the guys yeah. that are going to fire are either going to be too old yep. or lose a positional availability Correct. and be no better than him. So, yeah, no, it's fair yep. enough too. All right, before we wrap up the podcast, mate, uh, where can people go to check out your great work on the website and also through the podcast? Yeah, head to uh, keeperleaguepod.com.au and check that out. We um, run a bit of a membership pro, uh, program for people that choose to uh, support the podcast. So there's heaps of premium resources up there. There's a heap of free ones up there though as well. Um, if you want to check those out and a lot of uh, team analysis and data analysis and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but yeah, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram uh, at Keep League Pod, And you can check out me personally on Twitter at uh, hef underscore kl. There is never a dull moment when you follow those guys. You will know one thing about them. They, they are they champion the Ben Keys Appreciation Squad. Um, <laughs> that is probably what they are. Outside of your Keeper League work, that is what you're best known for. As a Port Adelaide man, does that just break your heart a little bit, having to befriend that young man? Uh, well, you know, you'll, you'll find that my co-host Kays is more of the Ben Keys man. But the fact that he uh, gave up his time and came, off the, uh, came onto the pod earlier this year, I, I have developed a soft spot for him, that's yeah. for sure. I thought so. It breaks the power heart of you within you. All right, mate, appreciate your work today on this episode. And if you want to go and check out any of the more of the great resources from those boys, just wind this episode back 20 seconds, 30 seconds, to be able to hear all the great stuff these boys are doing across the fantasy footy community. 
going to help you, not just in your Keeper League side, but there's plenty of data tracking and trends you can get that's going to help you in your salary cap formats of the game. If you want to catch up on any of the other players revealed so far in my 50 most relevant, all of them, you can read them at coachespanel.tv. There's links also for that to go and check out every podcast, our Patreon supporter group, and a bunch of other great resources. All right. That's who we've landed on today in the 50 most relevant. He lands himself at number eight. But who's at seven? You know, we've done two days in the midfield. Let's go for a third. Who is it, though? I'll tell you tomorrow.